Hello, Freedom House Central Campus. You guys doing great today? It's awesome to be here with you. You guys are the best campus, obviously. Come on. You guys have the best campus pastors. Give them some props, yeah? The Blantons are amazing. You guys love your campus pastors. Awesome. And I always love being here at Central. It's really like my home campus. So I'm at the other campuses, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's like, they're okay. They're all right. But Central is really my heart, you know? I love you guys so much. Well, my name's Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. And if you are new to Freedom House Church, something that is unique about our church is that at every campus, every service, we always have a live communicator, a pastor bringing God's words. So Pastor Troy, today's up at Lake Norman. Pastor Penny's at South End. And we have a team of people. And that's a, a huge part of our vision here at Freedom House Church is to empower and equip and bring everyone in. We do everything here as a team. And I just think that's amazing. Can we give some honor to our senior pastors, Pastor Troy and Penny? Give them a hand clap. I love them so much. They don't ask us to do that, but I love to honor them. Because of their vision, I get to do what I get to do and just love that. And also want to take a moment, greet those that are with us online. If you weren't aware, we have an online campus. People um, are tuning in, viewing right now from all over the country, all over the world. We have folks right now in Maine, Ohio, Indiana, Georgia, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Massachusetts, and Tennessee right now. Will you guys give them a hand? We're so glad you're with us today. We love you guys as well. And man, we're in a great series right now. Can you see it? I want to say, can you dig it? I don't know. Where does that come from? <laughs> can you dig it? But um, it's important to be able to see and, and to get God's sight, God's vision for your life, for the new year. Anybody setting some goals for this year? setting some New Year's resolutions, some, some goals, some achievements, things you want to hit. And, you know, that's great. That's how we should start the year as a church. We have big vision. We have goals. Um, but I want to talk to you about something today. God actually dropped this message in my heart last March. I was sitting right over there, and uh, we were in all team, and we were worshiping, and God just spoke this to me, um, that life is not about levels. He says it's seasons, not levels. It's seasons, not levels. I said, God, what are you talking about? And I don't base my theology on what I think God spoke to me. I take when God speaks to me something and I go to his word. God, I want to I pick it apart. I want to poke holes in it. Is this scriptural? Is this from God? Is this for our church? And I really believe that this word is going to help you. It's going to help set direction for our church this year so that we remain faithful to what God has called us to do. I think it's so, so important because it's easy. Man, I could get up here today and I could get my little sweat rag. Y'all know I sweat a little bit. I get a little worked up sometimes. But man, I could just preach this house down about getting to a new level because everybody wants a new level, right? You want a new level in this year? I want to achieve a new level. And I could get up here and I could preach, come on, who wants a new level? And everybody, oh, ah, yeah, I want a new level. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, amen. I want a new level. I want to go higher. But sometimes before God takes us higher, he takes us through a season that might feel lower. Sometimes we have to remain faithful in a season where we're uncomfortable for God to get us where he wants us to be. And if my goal this year, if your goal this year is just a new level, better circumstances, it's easy to shift my focus off of Jesus and onto human strategy. You see, when 
I'm focused on getting newer, bigger, better. Stuff for me. I got to achieve. I got to keep up. I got to accomplish this. I got to beat so-and-so. I got to be number one. If my focus is on what I can do, achieve, attain for myself, all of a sudden my flesh will start thinking and planning ways to make that happen. Instead of my focus being on Jesus, being focused on God, what do you have for me? God, what are you speaking to me? That fleshly part inside of me just starts going, (laughs) how can I get more for myself? Yes, when opportunities open, my flesh is just ready to pounce because I'm so focused on myself. I'm so focused on my goals, my dreams. Now, if my goal instead is faithfulness. See, faithfulness ain't sexy. See, I didn't preach this because I wanted to hear you amen today. I preached it because it's true. God sent me to teach this because it's not glamorous. You might not get excited about being faithful, but it's important. And if my focus, if my goal is faithfulness, then listen, my eyes, my focus, my heart is anchored in Jesus no matter my circumstances. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows, I'm anchored. It doesn't matter if things work out the way I wanted them to work out, I'm anchored. Doesn't matter if it happens on the timetable, the speed that I want it to happen, I'm anchored. Because my focus is on Jesus, not on my goals, not on my achievement. Am I trying to get out of this season? That's a question we all have to ask. Because sometimes, let's face it, we're in a season that just stinks. Anybody? Am I the only one? Right? Like this past year, I went through some stuff. Kind of a difficult season. I got in some counseling for the first time in my life. And Pastor Stephanie's like, amen. <laughs> She's been trying to get me to talk to somebody for a while. And the pastors, man, Pastor Troy, Pastor Renee, like, you need to talk to this guy, you know? And I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need that. I'm good. But you know what? Sometimes God wants to work some things in our life, and sometimes we get, we get stuck in a tough season for a minute because God's trying to teach us something. He's trying to help us. This is important because for every single one of us, seasons will change. And not always the way we might like or expect. But will I remain faithful in each and every season of life? Is my focus advancement? or faithfulness in 2024? Is my focus increase or faithfulness in 2024? Is my focus achievement or faithfulness in 2024? Where is your focus? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. And it's so easy to get attached to the things of the world. When I set my goals, my accomplishments, I've got my year planned out, it's easy to get attached, to get my love, my faithfulness, my attention, my vision tied up and attached to the things I see all around me. But John says, be careful, don't do that. He says, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, this is the amplified translation, by the way, really helps break this down. He says, the lust of the flesh, that's craving for sensual gratification. 
the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. He says these things, they don't come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears. And with it, the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides or remains forever. See, it doesn't matter how nice that new car is. One day, it's gonna be in a junkyard. Doesn't matter how much you achieve at work this year. It's gonna pass away. We were coming back from a, a trip yesterday and my wife and I were just talking about things and I said, you know, you drive through and you see these businesses, these old chemical plants and stuff like that and I think, man, you know, at some point that place was owned by a guy, owned by a lady who, man, spent their life. And when you're in even a small business, man, it's, it's crazy how your life can get so, like it becomes your whole world. But then 50 years later, it's abandoned. The world forgets all about you and everything you did. And I thought how sad that is, that we spend our lives so tied up, so fixated on things that will pass away. But the thing that will remain is what I do for him. Anything, I, if I take a glass of water, Jesus says. See, things we deem too small to get my attention. God said, no, that will last forever. But that big thing you're chasing in, in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, nobody will even remember. John reminds us that we are not to love the world or the things of the world. But so often, that's exactly what we do. And this whole passage is a warning to us against unfaithfulness. What will we love? I love my wife very much, and that's great. But if I start looking at another woman, tell you something. Y'all all know my wife, the ones that know my wife. Very sweet. There is a side of her. Not so sweet. I start looking at another woman. Listen, next week, I'm going to need Braille to preach my message. I'm not going to have any eyes, right? She's going to take care of that real quick. And the Bible says God is a jealous God. Well, is it wrong that I love my job and I love my... Listen to the words you're saying. We need to ask that question in our heart. Am I stewarding this blessing, this opportunity God gave me for his glory? Or am I chasing the thing? Because God will not share your love with anything else in your life. And so we got to think seasons, not levels. The whole book of 1 John, I would encourage you, I don't have time today, we're going to go through some verses. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. I would encourage you to read the whole book of 1 John this week. Very short book. I mean, just a few pages. Easy read. But the whole book will teach us, he shows us, he points out things that are incompatible in the Christian faith. See, at this point, Jesus has, has uh, been resurrected, he's ascended, the, the apostles are setting up churches, and the church has been around long enough to start getting into some error. And how many of you know you get Christians together long enough, we're going to mess something up, right? We're going to cause some trouble. And so he's bringing some correction into things that we even today need to know. So he points out things that in our faith are incompatible. 
Things that just can't go together. Number one, in chapter one, he calls out the self-righteous Christian. The self-righteous Christian. I've had people, and you've probably had people tell you, I don't go to church because Christians are all hypocrites and self-righteous, right? Anybody ever heard that before? You Christians just judge everybody. You're just self-righteous. I remember telling this coworker one time, I said, Christians can't be self-righteous. And he said, what? What do you mean? Every Christian I know is self-righteous. I said, then they don't understand Christianity. Because the very first thing you have to do to be a Christian is understand you're a sinner. That's step one. So the first step for me being a believer, for being a Christian, is to admit and own, I'm jacked up. I need a savior. I can't look down my nose at you because if I'm a Christian, I'm acknowledging I'm all kinds of messed up. And so how can I be self-righteous? And John reminds us of that. He starts the whole book of 1 John off telling us, you're going to mess up. You have messed up. You're probably messing up a little bit right now. And at some point in the next week or two, you're probably going to mess up again. He tells us 1 John 1 and 9. Why does he say this? He says, because if you'll confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But he says in verse 10, if you say you have no sin, you make God a liar. So any Christian that walks around like, well, you know, I got it all put together. I'm like, okay, you need to get saved. Because I don't think you know what a Bible is. Like that's Christianity 101. And so Christians should be the most humble people in the world because we start with an understanding, I was a sinner, all kinds of messed up that needed a savior. Chapter two, he says the next thing, the first thing is the self-righteous Christian. The second thing that's just incompatible is the sinning Christian. Now, wait a minute. Olin, didn't you just say that we all sin? But there's a difference between a Christian who sins and a sinning Christian. See, too many of us in here still think we're sinners. If you've received Christ, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace. The Bible says you're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So a Christian might sin, but my nature is no longer to sin. I'm no longer to live in sin. I'm no longer to practice sin. I'm to walk in the revelation that I have victory over sin in my life. I love to play basketball, but I'm not a basketball player. You know how I know? Because every time I try to play, something reminds me of my age. You know what it is? My hamstrings. I can't play anymore. I can't, you know, play at a high level. It's just not there. Although I love the game, like I can watch it, I can, you know, but I'm not a basketball player. And listen, Christian, you're not a sinner. Your nature is no longer to sin. The third thing is the loveless Christian. He makes it so plain. John says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. I got to warn you today, if you're here seeking to maybe become a Christian. Maybe you came today and you're like, man, I've heard about God. I've heard about this church. I want to check out Jesus. I want to learn. I want to, you know, I, I think I might need this in my life. Let me put a warning label on it for you. When you become a Christian, and it's a crazy, like all the Christians in here will say, yeah, he's right. Kind of a byproduct of it, and, and there's no way around it. You love people. And it's annoying sometimes. Like sometimes people do stuff and I just like my first instinct, my, I just want to hit them with my car. I'm like, you no good. And then I just look at them and I, say, I just love them. I'm like, 
I just forgive them and I want to bless them. And I'm like, get out of me. I want to be mad right now. Anybody ever like that? Like, I just want to be angry for a minute and get some vengeance. But when you're a Christian, you just love people. And he points this out over and over again in the book. He says, God is love. And if somebody's saying they're a Christian and they don't love, you ain't a Christian. Something's going on. The last thing is the unfaithful Christian. Will we love God or will we love the world? And here's here's the fact, guys. Satan doesn't mind if you're successful at work. Maybe you're focused on your career right now. Listen, nothing wrong with that. You you need to work hard. You need to do a good job. God will bless you. That's, That's wonderful. But listen, Satan doesn't mind if you're successful at work. He doesn't mind if you have a happy marriage. He doesn't even mind if you attend church. Satan doesn't mind if you attend church. A lot of people that Satan, and and I'll be honest with you, there are people that Satan, like, he tries to get to come to church because you just cause problems. And if you, you can come to church every Sunday, but if you don't listen to the word and believe it, it doesn't do anything in your life. And so there's lots of us, and listen, Satan doesn't mind If we do all these good things, he minds if you're faithful to Jesus. He minds if in any season of your life, no matter how bad it is, if you'll stand on what you've been taught as a Christian, the love of God, salvation, Jesus, who he is, if you'll stand in that and say, I'm not moving. Satan goes crazy. Somebody was telling me after the first service, he said, yeah, you were preaching about that. And he said, Man, me and my wife, we've been getting into the word and I've been doing the shred and doing this and da, da, da. And he says, man, it's like Satan just started coming against us. And I said, yeah, because you got in the game. When you get in the game, when you start being faithful to God, listen, Satan will push back against you. He does not like it, but it's easy to view our life instead of viewing it like this season that God is trying to teach me something that I need to be faithful, I need to be thankful. It's real easy instead to view it as a level. What level am I on? How does my level compare with your level, with their level? Is my friend outdoing me? Are they outpacing me? Am I keeping up with the Jones? What is my next level? Where am I going this year? What, am I got, what do I have to accomplish this year? And Satan will use this to pull us off course. Thinking this way builds an expectation for continually improving circumstances. It'll either lead to disappointment or maybe even worse, becoming a prisoner to the very things Christ died to set us free from. So we can't think of our lives as a series of levels just going higher and higher and higher. No, we have to see our lives as seasons. And you know the other thing that thinking in seasons will do for you? It takes age out of the equation. I talk to so many people in our church and they're 60, 65, 70 years old. And it's like, well, I'm retired I'm done, you know. I'm just going to play golf and fiddle my life away, I guess, you know. This is one gentleman I talked to, and I can tell he's always so down because he doesn't have any purpose. Because he's too old. He's too old to have any purpose, right? But if you look at your life as seasons, listen, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 85. Whatever season you're in, God has something for you to do. And we're sitting there trying to check out on God. God, I guess my life's over, God. I guess I'm too old to matter, God. I guess it's done. And God's like, "Uh, excuse me, I thought you worked for me. You're not retired. I don't care how old you are. God's got something for you to do. 
So it doesn't matter. You can't be too young to serve God. You can't be too old to serve God. When you view your life in seasons, you know, hey, whatever season I'm in, God has something for me to do today, to be faithful with, to steward. Now, let me just, before we move on, let me just cover this. Is it wrong to set goals? Is it wrong? Is it just sinful or wrong to set goals, to work hard, to achieve things? Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Not what I'm saying. It's not what the Bible says. It is not wrong to set goals. But, but as a Christian, when I'm setting goals, I have to ask this question. Why am I working so hard? Why am I setting this goal? What is the purpose of this goal? Will achieving my goals bring me closer to God or take me further away from him? Because I see so many times where as Christians, we set this big goal in our business, in our, in our relationships, and next thing you know, we get the goal and we don't even come to church anymore. We're so focused on achieving the thing that we just leave God out of it and totally forget God. So will my goal bring me closer to God or will it pull me further away from him? Are my goals always to be faithful to Jesus, to steward what he has blessed me with? Or are my goals birthed out of discontentment Envy and fear. Because let's face it, a lot of times we set goals because we're afraid to miss out. We're afraid that we're not keeping up with somebody else. We're afraid or we're discontented with the season that we're in. So we're setting goals, why? Out of a negative place because we want to fix our life. Listen, you don't need to fix your life. You need to be faithful where where you are. God will bless your life. God will move you into seasons of blessing and growth and ministry. Amazing things he'll do if you'll remain faithful. Do what he's asked you to do. John tells us here that there are three things the world will use to entice us to be unfaithful to God. Three things. Number one, if you're writing these down, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride that comes from wealth and possessions. And these things can seem harmless, but we often turn them into a distraction from the circumstances of our season. And this can be deadly. Sometimes we get so distracted by the stuff, the world, the goals, the the achievements, the things, the problems, the family, the relationships, that we're not even paying attention to the season we're in and what God wants us to do. So I read this story the other day. This guy, his name was Dr. George Sweeting. He took his family to Niagara Falls for the first time. They'd never been there before. They were really excited. And they went in the springtime when it was thawing out and the ice had just begun to melt. And floating down the river, there's these huge chunks of ice. And in the ice were the dead carcasses of fish that had not escaped the ice in the wintertime. They couldn't get away and they had just frozen in the ice. And so there are these fish carcasses there, and he saw as hundreds of seagulls, these gulls would just come in and they would land on the ice and they would eat the fish. They'd pick at the remains of these fish. And one after another, as they headed towards the fall, the fish, just in time, would lift their wings, flap a couple times, and fly away to safety. Huh? What did I? The fish. The fish did not fly. That was, that's a whole other story. That would have been a miracle story. This is not a miracle story. Sorry. The goal flew away. Thank you. The goal flew away. And so the doctor was watching nervously as this one goal was eating this fish and just got so into the fish 
He's getting closer and closer and closer, and he wasn't flapping away. He never lifted his wings to flap away. And he's watching this goal, and he's like, man, this thing is gonna, something's gonna happen. And then right at the, the edge of the fall, the goal realizes that it's getting to be too late, and he starts to flap his wings, but he doesn't go anywhere. See, he had waited so long that his claws had frozen into the ice. And his struggle as much as he could even lifted the ice out of the water a little bit, it wasn't enough, and right over the edge and down into the abyss. And Dr. Sweeting, coming away from that, he said, oh, the danger of delay. Oh, the danger of delay. And how many of us have been delaying dealing with the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life, these distractions and sins and preoccupations and things that the enemy has been using to keep our eyes off of what God is trying to teach us in the season we're in, oh, the danger of delay. See, I believe today God wants to get across to some of us, listen, time is short. Satan has been distracting you too long, and it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to get these things out of your life. So what's the first thing? Let's talk about all three. The first thing is the lust of the flesh. I call this the desire for pleasure and comfort. The desire for pleasure and comfort. When you do a word study on the Greek word translated lust, it's epithemia, which actually means the root of that, it just means desire. And it's kind of a bad translation in some English translations that were done many years ago because they use the word lust and it's a little extreme because the word doesn't necessarily mean lust. It just means desire. And here's the problem with that. If I had y'all stand up today and I went person by person and I said, are you struggling with the lust of your flesh? You would look at me and go, oh no, not lust. Because we hear the word lust and we think it's like, you know, I'm in this heated affair. I'm, you know, doing these sinful things. But what the word really means is simply desire. And any of us in here, and I say, do you ever struggle with the desires of your flesh? Every one of us would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably today, yesterday, I struggled with the desires of my flesh. So this applies to every single one of us. In Luke chapter 22, it shows us a picture of Jesus. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That word is actually the same word twice, earnestly epithemia, desired epithemia. The literal translation is with desire I have desired. So Jesus says, I have a strong desire to have this Passover, to eat this meal with you. So if Jesus had a strong desire, is it wrong for us to have strong desires? No. It's not wrong to have a strong desire. It's what the desire is tied to. It's how we fulfill it. See, John modifies the word desire with the word flesh. Why? To connect it to our fallen nature, our sinfulness. John tells us that these lusts or desires of the flesh are not from God. And that means that they've been taken outside of the boundaries that God has set to protect us. His boundaries protect us from loving the creation, the stuff, more than the creator. God doesn't want you to fall in love with the world. He doesn't want you to fall in in love with the stuff of the world. He wants you to love him. His boundaries also unlock 
increased and lasting enjoyment of the things he has created to bless us with. So what are those things? Just a few examples, food. Food is a blessing from God. Can I get an amen? amen. Y'all don't amen, amen that? I don't even wanna know you. Man, I love to eat, man. Food is of Jesus. When we get to heaven, y'all, listen, I'm gonna throw down. There's gonna be a line of people going, look, like just watch him eat. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm telling you. Food's going to be good. It ain't going to be salad. Let me just, wait a minute, I'm getting this from God right now. Yay, I say. There's not going to be any salad in heaven. Oh, God, I felt that. There is no salad in heaven. But if we take food outside of the protective boundaries God has given us, it can turn into gluttony. It can actually kill you. Food that's made to sustain you can kill you. And so one of the number one health problems in America, obesity. Listen, no shame. Any one of us in here that might be is battling with that, everybody in here is battling with something. So in this season, am I gonna be faithful with the lust of my flesh, my fleshly desires? Maybe for you, that's food. That's okay. Listen, am I gonna be faithful What's God saying to me in this area? The second one is sex. Sex, when done inside the bounds that God has given us, gives us intimacy and procreation. It's amazing. Sex is there as a blessing, but when we take sex outside of the boundaries of marriage, outside of the protective rules that God has given us, man, it can become a destructive force. And let me just PSA real quick, just public service announcement for all the young people, because I know you just don't hear this anymore. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's a sin. And our society won't tell you that anymore. Well, everybody's doing it. No, they're not. Studies have shown you would be shocked at the number of young people that are not having sex. Every teenager, every college stu student is not having sex all the time outside of marriage. That's just not true. And you don't have to. Remember, you're not a sinner. You were a sinner, saved by grace. Your nature is to be faithful to God. Now, that doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but the question is, will you be faithful? The third thing's entertainment. Entertainment should be recreation and refreshment to our souls. But too often today, entertainment is turned into nothing more than a way to ingest evil and distract ourselves from everyday life. It becomes too much. It becomes perverted. It becomes Wrong. Will you be faithful? Maybe God is calling you right now to cut down, cut off some form of entertainment in your life. Will you be faithful? You might be in a season right now where sex is off the table for you. Listen, all of us go through seasons in life where sex off the table. It's just not allowed in that season of life you're in. You're not in a relationship. You're not in the bounds of marriage and sex is not allowed biblically, listen, will you be faithful? It's a season. It's a season, but will you be faithful? You might be in a season where you need to get healthy, cut way back on your enjoyment of food, or maybe eat different foods. Will you be faithful in this season? You might be in a season where God is calling you to surrender a major form of entertainment in your life, spend more time with him. Will you be faithful? When we understand that we move through different seasons in life, we can pray and ask God, what is the focus for me in this season? How can I be faithful? 
right now with what you've given me. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, he says, Instead, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. I want you to write a few questions down today that I want you to think about. When you come out of this message, maybe you've already made goals or maybe you're still in that process in January of writing your goals for this year. I, ch I challenge you, write down these questions, ask yourself these questions and pray about it. The first one is this. Are my goals and desires based on my comfort and pleasure for 2024? Are my 2024 goals, maybe you've already set some of them, are they based on my own comfort and pleasure in 2024? And here's the prayer. God, how can I be more faithful in this season with my fleshly desires? Whatever they may be. We all have fleshly desires. I mean, we all deal with it in some way, some of us in many ways. Ask God, God, how can I be more faithful? The second thing that John talks about is the lust of the eyes. And I call this the desire for the superficial. And do I even need to talk about this one much in our society today? The desire, I mean, we are a social media addicted society. This is the desire for the superficial, how things look. We have an entire economy today built around how much attention I can draw to myself often for doing nothing. We got people that are famous for being famous. I don't even understand it. What did they do to get famous? And, and people were like, I don't know. Everybody just knows who they are. I'm like, but what did they do? Well, they didn't do anything. I asked my kids. I'm like, but what did they do? Well, they have a million followers. For what? Did they cure a disease? Did they? Well, no, they just have a lot of followers. Ah! I'm like, I don't understand it. Why am I following someone that hasn't done anything? But they look good. That's really the answer. They look good. Our culture is obsessed with how things look. Not how they are how they look. And as Christians, we should lead lives of substance and authenticity. We shouldn't be buying into this junk. It might look like you have a happy marriage, but does your marriage honor the Lord? Because it's real easy to fake it, you know? I mean, yeah, I've done it before. You come to church and it's just like, you know, you're like with your wife, you know, like, come on. You ain't that quick. And then it's like you see people, it's like, cool, 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 cool you're like, oh, I love you. You come into church, you're all lovey-dovey, and you're like, Shh, you know, just keep it down, you know? And then as soon as you leave, you get back to fighting again. Can't believe you said that to me, like, you know? And do you care more about how people view your marriage or how your marriage actually is? Because it's easy to fake it. It's easy to pretend in front of people that you have a happy marriage. But is your marriage actually honoring Jesus? Is it actually good. It might look like you're super healthy, but does your health empower your life or show off your pride? 
We got lots of influencers out there. And listen, if you're going to the gym and you're posting stuff on Instagram and you have a business or you're helping people get healthy, awesome. That's great. If you're healthy to be a good example to your kids, awesome. That's amazing. But if you're just posing in front of the camera to just look how big I am, look how ripped I am, you're just feeding your pride. Listen, y'all, I got big muscles. I just wear this baggy clothes because I don't want to show off. I mean, if I were to accidentally like, bam, you know, and it's like my whole sleeve exploded, I mean, people would be like, oh, you know, just on the front. I mean, just, it would be a distraction. I don't do that. I honor my wife. I'm like, I keep it, you know. People are like, you know, you have a six pack. I'm like, that's right. Mine's so nice. I keep it in the cooler, you know, keep that sucker locked up where it's supposed to be. You know? But what's your motivation in doing it? Nothing wrong with being fit, going to the gym. Every, like, that's great. But are you doing it to show off? Are you doing it to flaunt your pride? It might look like you're successful in business, but do your financial statements show godly stewardship and generosity or debt and overspending? Because there's a lot of people pull up in the new car they can't afford in debt up to their eyeballs, but they look good. And listen, Christian, we got to be real careful getting upset, jealous, envying other people because you don't know what's behind the facade. You might be lusting after, desiring after how good they look, but you have no idea the stress they're living in. That might not be, oh God, why can't I have that? And God's like, I'm saving you from that because you don't need that. You don't want to live that way. Listen, it might look like you're serving the Lord, Christians, leaders, staff members. It might look like you're serving the Lord, but are you simply craving attention and approval from others? And here's the truth. Sometimes I care more what you think than what God thinks. That's just the truth. I'm a pastor. I mean, really, you don't think I want you to laugh at my joke? I mean, you know, I don't have brake fluid running through my veins. Like, this is, I, I bleed red blood. I'm a human being. I have desires. I have ego. I have pride. I have all the same stuff. And there's so many of us serving God and doing the things we do with a rotten attitude. I hear people sometimes, well, I serve and I do, but they don't treat me and they don't do this. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you love Jesus? Are you doing it because you want to do it? Because that's what's in your heart to do? Because you love God, you love the church, you love the pastors, you love the people. Are you doing it to appear like something you're not? It's very easy to go there. And listen, every single one of us in here has to battle this. I don't care who you are. Oh, I never feel that way. Listen, you're a liar. You are lying in church right now. You better repent fast. Because every one of us battles with that. It's, it's our human Nature is who we are as people. That is going to, going, going to be a temptation that comes up. So here's the question we need to ask, the desire for the superficial. Are my goals and desires based on the superficial for 2024? Or have the goals I've written down, the New Year's resolutions, are they to make me look better or be better? Have I set these goals so I appear like something I'm not or so that I become something that will be an example to other people. And here's the prayer. God, how can I be more faithful in this season with my desire 
for the superficial things. And just own it. Just tell God, God, I desire superficial things. I want to look good. I want my, my stuff, my business, my marriage, my family, my... That's, that's, okay, it's human. So God, how can I be more faithful? How can I bring more substance? How can I be more authentic? How can I share my heart with people more? How can I ask for prayer, ask for help? God, how can I be better in this area? All right, third and final thing, pride from possessions. I call this one the desire for self-supremacy. The desire for self-supremacy. Satan has the world fighting over race, gender, status, sexuality, all these things, political stuff. But we all share a common desire. Every one of us, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, doesn't matter, left, right, doesn't matter. Every human being, we share this desire for self-supremacy. I want to be number one. We all have pride. We all battle this. And pride in what I possess, the money, the stuff, ultimate scoreboard. Because there are certain things you can't count. You can count money. And we can compare at the end of the day, I know if I got more than you. I can stick my chest out. Look how much I have. Look how much I've accumulated. And are my New Year's resolutions or my goals for this year focused on accumulation of more stuff? We have to ask that question, guys. Am I trying to build my empire? Am I trying to accumulate more stuff? Did you know that America is a nation of storage units? Over one-fifth of renters in the U.S. are paying for storage units. Renters. So don't own a home, but have more stuff than can fit in an apartment. One-fifth. In 2020, Americans spent $39 billion on storage units. Not million, billion $39 billion on storage units. And this is the one that floored me. 90% of worldwide self-storage inventory, 90%, whole world, United States of America. That one knocked me over. We live in a big world. 90% right here. Now, I've taken some time off to, to start the new year out. One of my little home projects, me and my son working on, was cleaning out my garage. That's why I can't breathe. I had an allergic reaction to the dust. And there's so much stuff. It blew me away in 25 years of marriage how much stuff we had accumulated. And so we have taken two truckloads to the dump. I still have a, another partial truckload to take to the dump just to throw away. And here is the diabolical part about the whole thing. I still want more. I mean, if I'm honest, I'm throwing stuff away thinking about, I still want more stuff. I have to constantly battle thoughts about newer, bigger, better. All the time. We buy a new car, and by the time we got the car, we get it home, we drive it for a month or two, we notice a new version that came out, and we're mad. I'm like, I got the new LED screen, and then they come out with a bigger LED screen. Like, what the heck? I waited three years to get this one. And you just get something and you already want the new one. Anybody else? Or is it just me? Yeah. And it's the way we think. And we think this way when we're walking in our flesh. Our flesh will always want newer, bigger, better because that validates my pride. James chapter 4 verse 13. He says, look here. You who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit 
How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So here's the question. Are my 2024 goals, my plans, are they focused on accumulating more or on being faithful with what I already have? Most of us have more stuff than we could ever need. Are we planning? Are we setting goals to get more? Or are we thinking about ways, praying about ways we can be a better steward of what we already have? It doesn't mean you can't believe God for a new home or, you know, that, that's fine. God will bless you when you're being a steward, when you're settled in what you have, when you're living out of thankfulness. God will help you achieve those things in a healthy way. But are all my goals wrapped up in that or in being a better steward of what I have? See, I believe when, when our goals and our focus is based on being a better steward of what I already have, man, God's gonna help me. He's gonna bless me with the stuff. And then I'll get the stuff, but the stuff won't get me. It won't have my heart because it was never my focus. See, it doesn't matter if you take something from me that I never wanted to begin with or never needed or was never attached to. I can give something up. Why? Because God gave it to me and he can give me another one. I'm not worried about the stuff. The stuff doesn't have me. Why? My focus is on Jesus. And what if we lived that way? See, John gives us the answer at the end of this chapter. He gives us the key to living faithfully, no matter what season. Maybe we're in a tough season. Maybe we've lost someone. Maybe we've lost a job. Maybe we, we're just going through something in our life. We're dealing with pain. And man, we're just looking for the exit to this season. Man, how do we remain faithful? How do we remain faithful when the world is tempting us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life? We live in a culture where we're bombarded with it every day. What do we do? John gives us the answer right here. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. He says, so you must remain. He doesn't say run harder. He doesn't say dream bigger. He doesn't say strive and work yourself to the bone and you just gotta dig deep and you just gotta go harder than you've ever gone before. No, he doesn't say that. He says, remain faithful. He says, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life he promised. Are you enjoying eternal life? Think about that. Each and every day, do you wake up in your bed and you can't wait to live another day because you're enjoying eternal life. I'm going to walk with my father today. He's going to do miracles today. I'm going to love people today. God's going to move today. Why? Because I'm enjoying eternal life. How do you do that? I'm just remaining. I'm just faithful. I'm just doing what he tells me to do. I'm not striving after anything. I don't need anything. 
I don't need your approval. I don't need to look good. I am good. My heart is whole. I'm filled with joy. Man, don't you want to live like that? Every day, problems will come. Tribulations will come. Jesus promises that. But he also says if you'll remain faithful, you can enjoy everlasting life, eternal life. Not in heaven, now. And the answer to fill this church with people, right here. Our word this year is harvest. Will you be faithful? doesn't mean run out and preach on every street corner. No, it means living a life that the people right around you actually find attractive. Because most of us have tons of people that see us, interact with us every day. And the problem is, Christians, most of us live lives they don't want to emulate. Because we're stressed out. We're beat down. We're striving so hard to achieve the things just like they are. And what they need to see in us is a peace that they can't understand. And you have it. You have it, it's in you. You just have to remain. You've got to quiet your soul enough. Reassess the year, the plans, the goals, the things. What am I chasing? Why am I working so hard? Why am I so tense all the time? Why am I like this? You, you just have to slow down enough. And remember, he's in the room with you. The answer's right there. In fact, he lives inside of you. And then you begin to see that faithfulness, faithfulness is not in action. Faithfulness is diligence inspired by thankfulness. So I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do the things. Why? Because I'm so thankful. I get to come to church. I get to serve God. I get to give. I get to serve. I get to do these things. Why? Not to impress anybody, not to earn anything, not to accomplish anything. Because I'm so thankful. Because I can't not. Because it's bursting out of my soul. Because I'm full of the love and the joy of Jesus. And the world will find that irresistible. We don't need a watered-down Christianity. We don't need a Christianity that appeases everybody, condones everything. We need a real power and a peace. We need to actually be what the Bible calls us to be. Disciples of Him. Jesus didn't chase the stuff. He wasn't hurried. He wasn't stressed. He stood right where He was. And he says, whatever the Father says, that's what I'm going to do. And they couldn't kill him. He had to lay his life down. He says, no man can take my life. He says, but I lay it down willingly. And then he said this. And he says, and the Father has given me the power to take it up again. So he laid it down. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he picked that life back up. He walked out of that tomb with the power to set you free. And so in that freedom, be free. Don't let this stuff encumber us anymore.
Let's be free in 2024. Let's be different. Let's walk in this joy and this peace that he's deposited inside of us. You have it. I have it. We can do it. We just got to remain and be faithful. How many of you want to be faithful this year? To step into what God has for you. We're going to do it today. I'm going to ask you right now, just stand on your feet. Close your eyes. We're just going to say a simple prayer of faith. I know the Holy Spirit's here and he's moving. He's setting some of us free today for some things, from some things that have been keeping us bound up, keeping us tense, keeping us in just anxiety and worry and stress. You can't sleep at night. Listen, no more. It's time to let it go. And the Holy Spirit's here and he's touching. He's touching our hearts. He's doing things people can't do, therapists can't do. In this moment, the Holy Spirit's moving and he loves you so much. And I wanna ask you right now, if you've never received this joy, this peace, this Savior, Jesus Christ, listen, you might look at us, you might look at Christians and say, man, you, you guys ain't got it all figured out either. No, we don't. But we sure know one who, who does. I'm not perfect. We all mess up, but we come, we sing, we dance, we shout every week because we've, we've encountered something that's real. I hope you can feel that today. I hope if you're online, you can feel just the reality, the depth of where this all comes from. There's a Savior that we know, and He wants to know you. And if you've heard this good news of Jesus and you would say, man, I want to be set free today. I've never put my hope, my faith, my trust in Jesus before, but I believe. The Bible declares that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved, that he will change you, he will forgive you. If that's you right now and you want to say that prayer, you want to just say those words, you want to put your faith in him, if that's you, would you just lift your hand boldly right now? If you want to walk different this year, thank you, thank you. It, just lift those hands, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to live differently this year, listen, Christians, just lift up your hand right now. In fact, just lift up both hands. This is a sign of surrender to God. Just lift up both hands right now. Just opening up your heart. And let's just pray this prayer. Let's just pray it so loud that we can hear it. You can hear the words coming out of your mouth. And listen, just believe in your heart that the Holy Spirit is moving right now and he will move in you. It'll happen. Let's pray this out loud. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus. He laid his life down and he picked it up again. He is Lord. I acknowledge, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my savior and heaven is my home. I will never go to hell. Hell's not gonna be my home. That's not my future. Heaven is my home. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm your righteousness because you have saved me. Help me to live in freedom this year, to remain faithful this year. Just speak to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can obey you. And I thank you that I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.